Hello everyone, this is Michael Walton here with Thomas Urano, who leads the portfolio management team at Sage, uh, back for another quarter of talking fixed income markets. Uh, so Thomas, um, you know, central bank policy was a primary driver of capital markets last year and is still influencing markets as we start 2023. So understanding that economic growth, inflation, monetary policy, and the bond market are all intertwined. Um, let's dissect these variables and get to our view of the bond market. So we'll start off with growth. And, and my question is, how do we see growth in the first half of the year? And the number one question we're getting is, kind of, are we looking down the barrel of a recession? Yep. That, so recession risk is the hot topic of the day. Um, you know, it's our view that Q1 may surprise people as there's still some upside and some optimism out there. A couple things, we could look at employment, which has remained surprisingly resilient. Uh, pretty consistent job growth with low unemployment claims. Looking at the Atlanta Fed's GDP Now forecast, it's still showing positive growth projected for Q1. But, you know, one of the takeaways is that forward guidance that we've seen coming out of earnings season so far is pointing to some trouble on the horizon. We're seeing kind of lower forward expectations and kind of downgraded earnings expectations. So the short answer is we may limp into mid-year avoiding a recession, but the risks are certainly rising. Got it. And assuming growth muddles through the first half, uh, what recess recession signals um, are we at Sage watching for? Right. So let's say we don't actually kind of get through the first part of this year and, and things continue to weaken. Like, what are we paying attention to? Soft business indicators like PMI and ISM surveys, they're all pointing to contraction in both manufacturing and services sectors, right? That's a clear sign that there's been um, some weakness going. We saw a very sharp drop in new orders. That also tells us that business investment and inventory spending are all collapsing. Um, the consumer, which has been on a spending spree in the second half of, of last year, uh, has been supporting the economy, but signs are pointing to some consumption headwinds. For example, credit card balances have skyrocketed, savings rates have collapsed, uh, consumer delinquencies are starting to rise. Notably, coming out of earnings season, one of the things we've noticed or seen from the banking sector is that they're recognizing rising credit risks. So we've seen banks start increasing loan loss reserves. Um, so that's another sign of anticipation of weakness in the consumer side, rising defaults, rising charge-offs. Um, the housing market, it's also been on a sustained decline for the better part of last year. Right? This is leaving a number of homeowners who purchased their houses you know, since the housing peak are underwater on those purchases made now. Um, so the, there's definitely some headwinds for the consumer here. Um, so lastly, you know, thinking about all that, how's that come together? Earnings coming out, you know, on the softer side this year uh, so far at the end of Q4. Um, and again, companies are downgrading their forward outlooks and we expect earnings to remain pretty soft. Got it. Yeah. So definitely some things to be concerned about. And, and let's take the optimistic side of the view. If, if growth stays positive, does the Fed continue raising rates until we see a recession? Right. So, you know, that's a good question. We think the Fed has clearly messaged that they're going to this high and hold strategy, right? That's where we're going to target a near 5% policy rate. That's something like maybe two more 25 basis point hikes coming at us. And then they're going to hold there for some time. Um, we think that the Fed to achieve, take the Fed at, at face value, they can achieve this elevated policy rate. We expect them to wrap up these hikes get, after they're getting there. And assuming inflation continues to moderate, 
um, we think the Fed would probably go on pause as they approach 5%. Got it. And so, you know, we've covered growth um, in great detail, which is a, uh, everything you said is a really great segue into inflation. So we have seen inflation moderate over the last several months. Uh, the question we're getting, you know, how is Sage thinking about inflation? How do, how do we expect it to unfold as we move throughout 2023? Uh, yeah, so inflation has been moderating of late, uh, and there's a couple things to reflect on here. So looking at inflation on a year-on-year trailing basis, it still includes early 22, which involved the late stages of COVID recovery, the beginning of the Russian-Ukraine conflict, both of which had really large impacts on pricing for energy, goods, and services, right? But if we look at more recent reads on inflation, for instance, the rolling three-month inflation rate, it's only 1.8%, right? So if, if inflation continues to trundle along like it has over the last three, four, five months, this kind of moderating pace, if this holds, then year-on-year inflation should be back towards the Fed's target range by the second half of 23. Got it. So this leads us to policy. So if inflation continues to soften and growth slows or goes negative, where does that leave the Fed? Yeah. So like I said, we still think the Fed's got one or two more hikes in them, 25 bips apiece. And then I think they go to this wait and see approach. Then what they're trying to do is make sure that inflation continues to moderate. Right. But it is important to remember the Fed does have a dual mandate of price stability and full employment. And that's going to be a challenge to navigate. Right. If the labor market falls apart, it may signal the Fed has gone too far. Got it. And, you know, I understand the market expects the Fed to reverse policy. That's essentially as we look at kind of market pricing of Fed expectations. And and for that reversal to happen in the near future, you know, what's our take on that? Correct. So the futures market is pricing the Fed to cut rates beginning in Q4 of this year uh, pretty aggressively. And they're going to take policy. Well, at least the futures market has priced the Fed to take policy rates back to 3% by year in 2024. Right. So that's a full 200 basis points of rate cuts. The market may be a little bit ahead of itself here, expecting a very aggressive uh, Fed stimulus, assuming we kind of get recession on, on the table in the second half of this year. Um, one of the things we're worried about the way the market's priced is that this last period of inflation that we've been through, it, it's likely altered the Fed's reaction function to a recession, meaning um, the Fed's response to weakening growth may be less aggressive than what we've seen over the last 15 years. Got it. So, I mean, we've covered growth, inflation policy. Let's get a little bit more specific on the bond market and our outlook. Listen, uh, you know, to summarize our macro picture, weakening growth with recession risk on the table. It keeps inflation on a moderating trend. The Fed uh, will have succeeded in bringing inflation back under control but will be less aggressive with monetary stimulus in the coming business cycle. So what does all of this mean for bond investors? Yeah, so for the bond market, we think income is back in fixed income. And since 2008, uh, since the 2008 financial crisis, those careers have been made trying to source fixed income alternatives in a 0% interest rate world, right? Investors have sacrificed liquidity and marketability in order to generate these mid-single-digit yields in alternative fixed income investments. But now, on the heels of all this inflation-fighting policy, the landscape has changed, right? The bond market yields are at levels that you haven't seen in over a decade. You have to go back to like 2010 and then pre-2008 in order to see um, yields offered in the market where they are today. 
basically 5% income with public market liquidity, that's something that's going to be hard to ignore. Yeah, 5% income on your core bond portfolio makes everything work better. So Thomas, thank you so much for your time. For everybody who tuned in, we appreciate you listening. Of course, uh, your friends at, at Sage are here anytime you'd like to visit. Thanks so much. Sage Advisory Services is a registered investment advisor that provides investment management services for a variety of institutions and high net worth individuals. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended as investment advice or an offer or solicitation with respect to the purchase or sale of any security, strategy, or an investment product. Investors should make their own decisions on investment strategies based on their specific investment objectives and financial circumstances. All investments contain risk and may lose value. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. For additional information on Sage and its investment management services, please view our website at www.sageadvisory.com or refer to our form ADV, which is available upon request by calling 512-327-5530.